I met somebody about two or three weeks ago and a friend of theirs in the US had spent $30,000 on psychiatry fees for their dog. Because psychiatry their, fees? Yes. Yeah, their dog had depression and they took it to the, to the doggy psychiatrist. The Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with the EY Entrepreneur of the Year programme telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. In a world where pets get pampered like never before, man and woman's best friends are big business. This is The Architects of Business, Joe's weekly series of interviews with leading entrepreneurs in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. I'm Ty Genreich and today I'm meeting Louise Grubb and Tom Brennan of Trivium Vet, two pharmaceutical industry veterans who've turned their attention to veterinarians. Their company makes medication for small animals. So Tom looked at me rather sceptically and basically broke, broke out laughing and said, that's impossible, nobody, you know, is there really treatments being used for, uh, for cancer in dogs? I said, well, absolutely there are, um, and we should really look at this. Hard to believe that until Trivium Vets started, pets usually got human drugs that vets had to carefully measure to make sure the dose was right. And they found some interesting pet people to back them. You know, one of our investors is uh, is Gordon Darcy, the former rugby international, and his dog Albert is about the size of a polar bear. Tom and Louise have run other successful businesses before, separately and together, and they've learned that to win, you've got to think big. We often don't think big enough. If I knew them what I know now, I just probably would have been more ambitious with the first company, um, whether it was raising more money or just, you know, you know, being uh, more aggressive with, with what I was doing. Today we'll talk about how much people will spend on their pets working in partnership and basing a startup in a smaller city. Tom, Louise, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us today. Um, you know, do you, do you pet yourselves? Do you get the whole pet pampering thing? Oh, absolutely. I have two very large dogs at home. They're, uh, we have a farm at home, so they're out running around with their uh, uh, horse companions. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I've been involved with uh, pets and pet businesses for a good few years now. So totally understand how things have developed over the past number of years for pets. Mm. Yourself, Tom? Yeah, well, I grew up on a farm in Leash and we had some, some pet dogs at home, but... Um, we we didn't have a, a, a pet, um, a family pet, until quite recently, and we, we got a dog two years ago called Toby. His uh, his uh, a King Charles Spaniel, and uh, yeah, now I'm I, I'm totally sold on the idea of having a, a pampered pooch at home. So Is it, was did Toby come before the business or the business well, before Toby? Well, no, the business came before Toby. <laughs> I have to say, There's because. A story around um, that, yeah, I mean, the, the, the origins, I suppose, of Trivium Vet was um, we were, uh, Tom and I were on a plane to Philadelphia, probably coming home, for, I think, from a successful meeting, glass of wine. And um, in Tom's uh, previous business, he, they were developing oncology drugs. And we were talking about that and he was talking about that. And I was saying, you know, that particular drug is being used, I think, and has potential to be used for lymphoma, which is oncology uh, in dogs. So Tom looked at me rather sceptically and basically broke a 
broke out laughing and said, that's impossible. Nobody, you know, is there really treatments being used for uh, for cancer in dogs? I said, well, absolutely there are. Um, and we should really look at this. So that's where the, I suppose, the, the initial discussions about mm-hmm. Trivium Vet came from. And Toby followed suit. And, when, and Toby validated the idea because I can see how far people will go to keep their, their was, pets in good health. So, so was uh, Toby a deliberate purchase so that you could kind of get into the pet owner's mindset? No, not at all. No, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd hate for him to, to hear that, actually, you know. But, uh, it's all right. I don't yeah. think he's that smart I'm sure you think he's very clever but he's not that smart no no not at all no uh, our, our, our daughter wanted a dog about two years ago so uh, we decided to take the plunge and um, so yeah we, we stepped into into that world and uh, he's been a great addition to the household what do you think is our own attitude towards kind of pet ownership I mean as you say you've been in the pet business for a long time and you know depending on maybe whether you're from a rural or an urban background some people will think of dogs as, as as workers as opposed to as pets are we are we changing I, yeah, that I think mindset it's changed completely i mean as as a if you want to just look at it as a market um in the past number of years the numbers of dogs and cats have been increasing maybe about three to five percent but the actual expenditure on pets has been increasing between 12 and 15 percent so we're now we look after our dogs and cats they're part of the family um and i suppose in so we're looking after them better their quality of life is better but unfortunately as a consequence of that we're now feeling we now find that they have the diseases of middle age that would be that humans develop and and this is the area where we're um fitting into with trivium vet in that there aren't the drugs uh, specifically registered for dogs and cats for these type of diseases so we're developing those drugs and that's applications so what was happening before you came along with with this business plan in terms of treating sick pets with pharmacies years ago you would have you, you may have heard of you know that a particular pharmacist was good at compounding making up a, a cough mixture or a particular product and you don't tend to see that anymore because you know that the products are read, readily available for the ph- from the pharmaceutical manufacturers and you know with, with serious diseases with for dogs and cats and for your companion animals in general you know they're not approved treatments available for you know many of the conditions that they get later in life and you know sometimes the veterinarian surgeon has to um prepare their own compounded mix similar to the pharmacist a number of years ago and and this is the, this is the area we're looking to address is to address those clinical trials for those and unmet or, or those needs that there are not clinical trials and approved products available but before you guys came along i mean was it the case that a, a clever vet was taking a human medicine and kind of well, grinding it up into, mean, a, into an animal shaped dose or a size well, dose yeah. and that's probably the biggest challenge because if you're trying to dose a dog or you're trying to dose a cat in particular with sort of um, you know d- presentations that aren't really suitable for them um, it's a real challenge and certainly a lot of the, the diseases that small animals get or that dogs and cats get are similar to those of people of humans so human drugs you know what we're looking at is human drugs are drugs that have been developed for trials for specific human uh, diseases once they're tailored down for use in dogs and cats it's a similar type of presentation but it's very important that you get the dosage right so drugs that were developed for your 70 kilo man is going to be have to be tailored differently uh, for maybe you know, a five kilo cat or a 15 kilo dog and, and i think our knowledge in both my knowledge in, and, and experience in human pharma and louise's in in animal health with her previous company i think you know it brings two very unique skill sets together to help us 
to develop and register these type of products. So what are the, what are the challenges actually in developing the individual products that you're selling and getting them over the, the, the regulatory lines as it were? Well the, the regulatory pathway is quite clear in terms of so if you are developing a veterinary drug or you're developing human drugs it's a very similar pathway in that the safety of the medication the stability of the medication that part of it is the same. What's different is obviously the clinical work so the efficacy that we prove that it's effective for treating a specific indication in the dog, a specific indication in the cat. So we would have to do all that regulatory work. So we need to do safety studies, we need to do clinical work and clinical trials for the products to get them over the regulatory And, and, and who's approving it? I mean, everyone, every pharma company wants to get their drug through the FDA in the US. Is that the, the, fe- the feline and dog administration uh, for you guys? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the FDA have their own veterinary division in the US and oh. I mean, you, there are 70 odd million dogs in the US and I think it's 74 million cats. So I mean that that's that's a huge huge um, market for us to 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 address and in, when when we talk about the FDA the FDA in the US have made it more attractive for companies to develop new pet treatments and give them orphan drug designation which means you can get exclusivity if if you prove that you can address this particular disease. So the disease, so incentivized companies to develop products in, in this particular area. So, um, and it's, it's highly, highly regulated, pretty much the same standard as a human application. So, um, and, and there's, a, there's a really, really big opportunity. And then you have the similar regulatory bodies in, in Europe and the rest of the world. So it's not that dissimilar to what we're used to. So at what stage are you at now in, in, in developing the company? I mean, how many products are on the market? Where are you on sale? Well, we're, we're, we've developed um, our initial pipeline, which is two specific uh, drugs that we're looking at, um, and we've raised some finance. Um, and we've got about two and a half years of work done to get to this stage, which is basically identifying the drugs, looking at what um, indications, specific indications, how we're actually going to build the regulatory file. So we have that really, that is, we have that ready to go. I mean, and so once we... Um, once we build, you know, we start with the first drug and because it's such a long pathway, you've got to do your safety work. Your clean. So we have one or two others that will be coming along and building a pipeline then for uh, further products um, as we develop on. Hmm. I mean, do you think for, for every, shall we say, big name treatment for for, for, for humans, is there an, an animal equivalent? or I mean, how big do you see the potential of this, this market being for you guys? Well, the overall market at the moment is it's about 35 billion for, for pet care. Um, when I started my previous company, the addressable human market for our particular segment was 22 billion. So it's, 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 it's a huge, huge opportunity. And just uh, the current shift in people's perceptions on how their pets are treated and how they're more and more part of the family you know, compared to a, a generation ago where that was not the case and they were probably been more so treated for their worms and fleas and ticks and maybe a few other things, that, you know, if your pet dog gets sick, you, um, people want to want to have it cured and they want to extend the life of their, their, their closest companion animals. And there's a big, big shift towards that. And pet insurance makes that a lot easier for, for many people to do now. You must have met some interesting people in the course of your research, people who will go to kind of all lengths for their dogs and cats. Well, I met somebody about two or three weeks ago and a friend of theirs in the US 
had spent thirty thousand dollars on psychiatry fees for their dog because psychiatry fees yes on the couch uh, dogs aren't allowed on the I, couch I, I haven't totally got my head around how the psychiatrist managed to pull that one off um, and I think maybe that's for the next generation again but um, I, you know it's it's I the, yeah their dog had depression and they took it to the, to the doggy psychiatrist you don't have to go as far as New York you know every Everywhere around, um, there's doggy daycare. Uh, mm. Now it's called doggy school. Um, and it's really not uncommon for people in the morning to drop their dog off to the school uh, for training and for being walked and mm-hmm. ma- managed and then collected in the evening. So initially what we would consider, you know, the doggy care, daycare when you're going on holidays. Now there's doggy school, doggy training. Um, there are more and more bars in Dublin that oh, are yes. dog friendly. So when you're out with the out for a walk with the dog that you can bring the, the dog along. So Just be careful your dog doesn't get a drinking problem. Maybe we'll develop a cure for that as well. You never know. You're on the case already. Particularly with you, Louise, this isn't your kind of first foray into the pet business. Talk to me about where you started in this world. Yeah, I suppose it was, in some ways, it's, it's, it's kind of got a, a similar um, origin. I am a nutritionist, actually, by trade a long time ago and uh, married to a vet. So the combination would have kind of brought me down that channel. And I've been working in the whole area of uh, nutritional therapies and looking at um, my dog and, and cats and wondering, why are we not using the same therapies for the dogs and cats and, and would they work? So that was the origin of my first company, NutriScience, which was kind of looking at that whole area. And we did some sort of clinical work to see, well, look, if we make up this product, which is very similar to the human, but we're making it for um, in a presentation that a dog or cat could take and see, does it have the same effect? Are we talking about, you know, uh, diet dog food or kind of vitamin supplements? Probably more supplements. So if you think of osteoarthritis, uh, you know, you might take your cod liver oil or glucosamine or chondroitin. So it was those type of supplements that had a therapeutic benefit or um, fish oils, products like that. And so NutriScience was built around that. Um, uh, myself and a partner set up um, a manufacturing facility in Waterford. Um, and we had uh, developed the products and were selling them throughout Europe and, and in Canada as well. So it was, it was very successful. And it was looking really about what was happening in sort of human care and how that can be applied to dogs and cats and improve their quality of life. So Trivium Vet is a little bit the same. I I sold NutriScience and um, uh, it's actually still going strong in Waterford, which is great. I'm very proud of. Uh, So there was a, a Belgian pharmaceutical company and the products were kind of complementary to their range. So we sold that back in about 2009. So mm. on to the next. And it's not your first rodeo either, is it, in, in, in the pharma industry, Tom? No, that's right. Um, I founded Urgent Pharma with Patsy Kearney in 2005 in Waterford. It was right at the height of the Celtic Tiger at the time, actually. And, uh, the, you know, it, it, it was an interesting time when we were raising money because uh, it was very much at the height of the phrase that, you know, you can't go wrong in bricks and mortar. So that was the time we started the, the, the company back then. And um, we, we built it up to be a pretty sizable company. I finished last year, but we were acquired by Opco Health in 2015. So 10 years after we founded the company and uh, we were exporting to 47 countries around the world and over 200 employees. And uh, it, 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 it turned out pretty well. And Airgen was about not just drugs, but very strong drugs. Is that right? Yeah, very much. We focused on what were called high potency drugs. But really the, what that means was 
products that had significant side effects when when you took them. So we had to be really, really very careful with cross-contamination with these products into other products and obviously um, protection of anybody that worked on these products, you know, from the particular product itself. So um, they, were, they were quite challenging to develop over the years as well because the, the because of the side effects, there were very, very strict rules and criteria around the clinical trials. You know, I, I mean, these are not painkillers. These were, you know, using chemotherapy and uh, and in cancer treatment, which, um, you know, as as many of your listeners will be aware, have significant side effects. So, um, but again, it was a very, very niche area. And it was one that we felt there was an un- unmet need at, and, and uh, it worked out well for us. It's interesting what you said there about setting it up during the peak of the, the Celtic Tiger boom, uh, and finding it difficult to get money to put to get people to put money into something that wasn't just property. Yeah, it, it, I, absolutely. You know, we when we were funding the company back at that particular stage, I mean, everybody, you know, property was the de rigor investment at the, at the time, and you know. We were we were looking for investment in, in intellectual property, but what helped validate the business plan for us actually was we we pulled the business plan together as part of a class exercise in an MBA program that we were doing in University of Limerick, and there was an entrepreneurship module, and myself and Patsy wrote the the business plan for Airgen as part of that class assignment basically, and we said look we definitely have something there, but and and we decided to to, to go forward with it, but it, we we found you know there was your reaction locally wasn't great, but we went to a business plan competition in San Diego which, you know, only in America where there were 60 different um, MBA schools pitching their business plans. And I think that for us really validated the idea and, and, and the fact that we might, we might be onto something because, you know, we were getting feedback here that we were, you know, we were looking to raise 2 million euros at the time and pretty much the conventional wisdom is that you're looking to raise too much. But when we went to San Diego and went to California, the feedback was, listen, go for it, but you're not raising enough money. Mm. And I think we came back from that trip, you know, we were, we were happy enough that we had made the right decision. But uh, I, I think that really helped us. Uh, do, you, do you think that the, the, kind of the climate has evolved or changed within the, the, you know, the Irish investors in terms of what they're willing to take a punt on, whether it is bricks and mortar or something that's a little bit less tangible uh, and more intellectually, you know, intellectual property based? I, I think... I think the investors are obviously more wary of property-based investments. I think I think that that's for sure. We've done a fundraising round on Trivium over the last number of months, and you know it went really, really, really well. But I think the fact that we had successful exits with NutriScience and with Ergen, and we have a successful business together with Q1, you know, we had a much more powerful story um, when we were talking to. Our investors at the time, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I think there's probably more of an openness there to invest in in, in a greater diversity of companies, and I think there's a greater access to uh, to capital, be it Irish based or, or international based here in Ireland than it was ten years ago as well. Yeah, I think it's a real positive. You know, I think it's a positive for entrepreneurs. You know, when you're trying to get startup money and you're trying to get seed money, um, again, you know, for us it was a little bit more straightforward because we've done this several times before. But when you started and when you were doing it at the beginning, it was a real challenge. You've mm-hmm. no track record record and that's what sells it but there's a little bit more money that people are prepared to put into um, you know put into invest in, in in companies that you know potentially there's great returns for and there's been you know there's a good track record now in Ireland with companies that have given good returns um, so you know that gives investors a little bit more uh, confidence you mentioned there it's not the trivium is not even the first thing that you guys have set up mm. together you're, you're some of those annoying people who have so many success <laughs> stories uh, under your belt I'm sure lots of people are, are 
hating you right now. But listen, talk to me about the last enterprise you were involved with together, and actually, what what brought you together as as a business partnership? Actually, that's interesting. Um, you know, th- this business still exists, so it's not over. It's not over yet. But um, we, um, sorry, I suppose in terms of. Um, Networks, you know, the networks that even though we're both had businesses in Waterford and we would have crossed paths when I was had NutriScience and Tom at Airgen probably hadn't really had a, you know, a lot of um, business discussions. And then there was a particular group pulled together by EI and that was really at the very bottom of the, you know, we were really in the recession and a group of business people got together in the southeast area and sort of said, well, what can we do? And then we got tasked with some, I don't know, bit of business to do and um, over a cup of coffee I had been kind of looking at what am I going to do next I had I had um, sold NutriScience and so well, look what am I going to do next and one of the areas that was of particular interest was in the pharmaceutical there's a lot of pharmaceutical manufacturers in Ireland continues to be so but they're under pressure you know from the point of view of there's downward pressure on pricing so there is a real move towards uh, pharmaceutical companies looking at how do they save money and one of the areas is outsourcing so I said, Tom, look, we should look at the area of outsourcing. And one of the areas that, you know, Tom had been had identified before and we'd looked at was outsourcing stability storage. Um, and over a cup of coffee, we kind of built the business plan and said, you know, this looks very interesting. Let's try and put this together and see uh, see what would happen. Um, and out of that came Q1 Scientific, which is a very successful company uh, based in Waterford. Um, just tell you what it does, because mm-hmm. stability storage doesn't sound very interesting. But um, essentially, if you, again, pharmaceuticals, any kind of drug that you have, it has a shelf life. Um, and in order to guarantee that, that, sh- that what is active at the beginning of, you know, when it's actually manufactured and then is safe to take and as efficacious at the end of its shelf life, a certain number of products from every batch are put on what cause stability and they put into chambers with control temperature and the environment and then they're tested to make sure that they're safe at the end. So what we do is we have these controlled uh, environmental chambers, very tightly controlled temperature and humidity um, and we provide pharmaceutical companies the opportunity to outsource that part of their business. Wow. Interesting stuff. And uh, that idea just came to you over a cup of coffee. Well, much, yeah, yeah. Is that what happens when you put well, two great brains together? Well, I mean, well, well, lots of ideas, but this one yeah. was the one well, that well, kind of yeah, looked Q1 like... Yeah, Q1 was a cup of coffee, and Trivium was a, a, a glass of wine on the plane, so, so we probably should have coffee or wine more often. <laughs> and then you end up clinking glasses of champagne at the end of it all. Exactly, yeah, so well, we better be careful yeah. about the next cup of coffee, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Tom and Louise, do stay with us, because still to come on the Architects of Business, we'll be hearing about Tom and Louise's thoughts about working in partnership and succeeding in enterprise outside of major cities. Stay with us. You're listening to the Architects of Business on Joe in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. Visit eoy.ie to find out more about the programme and this year's finalists. Get in touch. Mail us on the Architects of Business at joe.ie. Tom Louise, both of you have uh, demonstrated a real commitment to, 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 to your home city to, or to the city of your, your businesses, to Waterford. Why have you treated that with such a priority? Well, for me, it's home. So I grew up in Tremor and um, was always been my ambition to come back home. And I suppose what really um, pushed me was, well, when I was 18 years of age, I thought I couldn't. It was this tiny little town. God, I can't wait to go. And this is, you know, it's so horrible. And But I, it was always my ambition to come home, especially when I had kids, you know, when they're small. And you think, God, it would be a lovely place to grow up. Um, and when we made the move out of Dublin uh, back to Waterford, um, I suppose actually it was the 
impetus really for me to set up the first business because um, I moved back to Waterford and I'd had an executive role with a big company in Dublin and that is one of the drawbacks once you move out um, of Dublin. Um, a lot of those types of executive positions, they don't they don't exist down the country. So um, you need to sort of reinvent yourself or, you know, in many cases. And for me, it was an opportunity to set up what became Nutriscience. Had the idea um, and then I said, OK, look, I'm going to set it up here. And I'm very committed to Watford uh, anyway, so I was delighted to do that. Tom? Well, I, I'm, I'm live about 30 miles away in Clonmel and, you ah, know, so... Just over the line. Just over rivalry. the line, just over the line. I know that rivalry all too well. I've got family in Clonmel, Have so... You? Okay, yeah. but we, um, you know, Clonmel's a great place and generally, to you know, to be located in the southeast, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be based in Clonmel and, and you know, working in, in Waterford. I've, I've worked in Waterford most of my adult life and but I have also worked in Clanmel and, and, and in the South East and really it is a very very you know good standard of living I don't have any traffic lights between where I live and when I, when I go, go to Airgen or when I go to Q1 or when I go to Trivium um, so uh, yeah I have, I have we have no intentions of uh, moving from where, where we are it, it works really well we've, we've even persuaded um, Sarah from the EY programme to come down to join us and live in Waterford oh right well good, good for her are there any though I mean you know you're both in, in, in or you're together you're in a complicated field as it were are there issues with getting the right people for the right jobs when you're outside of a you know a densely packed a very densely packed urban centre I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps there is. At, it's in terms of um, what, what's really helpful is, is you have, if you have a cluster of companies. So if you take the southeast as an example, we now have quite a cluster of, say, pharmaceutical companies, quite a cluster of high-tech companies outside that are kind of spin-offs, if you like, from WIT. And that kind of helps because when you're attracting talent to a region, it's important that they feel this is not the only job. If this doesn't work out for me, I can move to, to other areas. So I think we need to, I think it's critical from a political point of view that we build up sort of key areas like in the southeast Waterford as a centre but that you have you know a lot more focus on one area because that, that will help bring talent uh, to the area because you know if you're 30 somethings you know it's a great you know, there, there's a great um, there's a great uh, opportunity from your personal life, you know, to be close to beaches and all those sort of things. But you also need sort of the, the services of a city. Mm-hmm. So I think sort of the regional development is really important. And, and I mean, do you do anything else kind of to, to stimulate, I suppose, the growth of the region? Is that part? Do you think is that part of uh, industry's remit to kind of uh, stimulate development? We, we both have in, in our own ways. You know, I'm I'm have a an office in Clanmel in the Questum Acceleration Centre and I have a, a rather grandiose title of uh, Entrepreneur in Residence but uh, you know in, in to, to simplify it it's basically to you know share some of my own experiences with the uh, startup companies in that incubation space and it's 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 something I enjoy doing very much and there's some great companies coming out of that area and I, I know you, you in terms yeah. of the Waterford Ambassador and uh, Yeah I would know. do a, a good lot in terms of say the local enterprise offices looking at new companies and I I suppose helping and mentoring mentoring companies in the area and also been invo- involved in the regeneration of Waterford as a city the Viking Triangle and development and you see great developments like co-working spaces and and things like that that are kind of give opportunities for startups to sort of collaborate so and I think that's really important that whole collaborative space mm. I mean uh, obviously you're, you're 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 the product of collaboration yourselves yeah. to kind of independent business people who've gotten together do you find that is uh, has that been helpful for example 
example, in, in kind of giving birth to, to, to Trivium Vet, as it were, kind of. It's great fun. It is, isn't yeah. it? It's good yeah. fun because, uh, you know, you can, it can be a lonely, lonely furrow, you know, to plow when you're completely on your own. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to bounce ideas off, off people. I, I think that works really well. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, t- I think it's a lot easier. M- many people would disagree, but I think it's a lot easier to start a company with a colleague like, like Irjan with, with, with Patsy Harney back in the day. And, um, you know, because, sometimes you know you have your good and you have your bad days and even in a meeting you know you might be flagging negotiating a deal or something like that and the other person steps in and you know take, takes over from you and yeah, it, 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 you can always balance ideas and dump on the person or whatever you know what I mean so <laughs> it's, it's a lovely a, way of putting it you know but it, it is it, it is great to have that outlet and, 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 and have that support with, with, with a colleague as, as, as a co-founder and even I suppose shooting the breeze in, in networks like uh, Entrepreneur of the Year um, getting advice, I suppose, on, on, on getting ideas over the line or, or dealing with challenges as yeah. they arise. It's a fantastic network because it's just a network of very similar minded individuals. You know, you sit down from day one that you're meeting people and, you know, the businesses are so diverse. The experience is so diverse. The people are so diverse. And yet there's such a commonality that you're immediately chatting about sort of things that are important to you. Um, everyone has the scars under whether they're visible or not. So it's, it's a very open environment. I, I find it super, uh, super network. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and no matter how bad you think you've had it in terms of your own startup war stories, when you talk to somebody else, you know, yes. invariably it's a lot worse. Um, and I, I, you know, even the most successful entrepreneurs that I know through the network, I, I don't know any of them that haven't had, you know, really tough times at some stage of their company's evolution. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a network of like-minded people. And, you know, you can talk not only business challenges, but, you know, maybe there could have been challenges with, you know, people might have other personal challenges in, in terms of kids and school or mm. parents and sickness or whatever. And, you know, it's, you, you'd, you'd be surprised at the breadth of knowledge that's out there. It's all part of a complicated picture. Yeah. Um, talk to me about even just kind of running a business together. I mean, your personalities must have to match, as it were. And I guess some of you, you know, one of you probably has strengths in one area that the other doesn't and the other one makes up for it. Oh no, that's a very different well, question now. Oh, Jesus, um, but anyway, yeah, no, I, it it is compl- I suppose complementary, but but similar mindsets. So we take uh, quite happy to take different areas of responsibility. Um, but I, I I think probably the lines are reasonably blurred because it's kind of like, look, this is the way I see this one. Mm-hmm. Do you see this the same? Go, well, no, I don't. I see it this way. And I think really with, you know, especially early stage when you're trying to really get a handle on what is going to be absolute best direction to go in this way mm. um, it's super to have someone to bounce the ideas with I, I think the most important thing at this early stage is that we're both firmly on the one page completely looking in the same direction and you know yeah. we're not even pulling even remotely yeah. in, the, in different directions that's really important and because we, 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 we'll build a team then behind us to to hopefully work with us to execute the plan as, as we move forward and how do you manage it when you do actually believe different things fundamentally and you've, you've, you've different opinions I mean how, who how do you resolve that we just agree that Louise is right <laughs> <laughs> I am CEO just by the way so just I'll let it with that bit in um, it actually wouldn't work if you didn't and I mean I mentioned fun so there has to be one person in charge I think there has to be one who's probably making, you know, at the end of the day. But I, I, I don't think it really works like that. We are basically, if we weren't going the right, the same direction, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Mm. It wouldn't work at all. And I think, um, I think that's really important. And it's also, if we want to build a solid team behind us, 
that's going to be the most important thing that we're leading from the front and, and people can see that we're committed to it um, and that we're going to make it happen so what kind of person do you have to be to get onto that team what do you what are you looking for in qualities in in your hires grit grit yeah. determination grit determination you know people that initially that the the job description or contract doesn't really make much difference and and will happily roll their sleeves up and get stuck into doing whatever needs to be done to to move the business forward and move our projects forward um i think that's i think that's, that's the most important yeah. thing and and it's very much the that the person will be a good fit to work with us and that we can you know we feel we can interact with them well and and there's a good level of teamwork and camaraderie there with, between us between yeah. us all um we're probably as much interested in that as as, as any qualifications well, well i was about to say i mean qualifications i mean are you looking at degrees in a page or whether it's you know 1.0s or 2.1s or is it more about personality yeah for like in, in in technical roles you know that's very very important to have the technical knowledge as well i suppose what i'm trying to say is it's we also recognize it's important to to not overlook the, um, the, the the softer skills that the individuals bring as well and, and not just make a totally academic, academic base, which is hugely important for the level of you know, technical development that we're doing here with these products. But you were te- it's a technical and it's a very clear strategy, but there has to be a degree of flexibility. It will change. And with a small team, um, and certainly knowing that from a startup, everyone has to do everything. You know, you can't be... Um, opposed to making coffee for people who come in you know it's it's that sort of the softer skills are actually really important but for a team to sort of um, gel together and when it comes to building a company like like Trivium I mean are you looking for business people or pharma people or people who have that magical mix of of two of both oh, in, in terms of imp- uh, to individuals in that you, takes, you yeah, yeah I, I suppose a lot of the a lot of the very specific skills we will we will bring in um, in terms of we, we will possibly outsource because some of these some of these skills will be so specific down uh, very clinical areas um, and so our immediate uh, team will be certainly regulatory function we will have um, clinical function so they will be quite quite specific um, scientific team to bring around us and managing us. And uh, dog or cat people? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, an affinity uh, for both, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not the goldfish, but we'll, we'll, we'll take dog and cat Perhaps together. animal lovers. Yeah, uh, I possibly should throw in here at this stage that we have uh, one product in development for horses as well. So ah. They are actually considered companion animals too, though you mightn't believe it. You wouldn't get one on a plane. No, you wouldn't. And uh, this being, yeah, they they come in all shapes and sizes of uh, both yeah. the horses and the horse lovers mm. too. So, so, I mean, actually, in all seriousness, does this kind of uh, pet loving have to be part of the DNA of the people you hire? Oh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I don't know. Actually, I mean, I think when on the technical side, um, it's probably uh, you know you're looking for someone that's very technical. But in terms of the team. They probably do. You know, they probably need to fit yeah. in with us and, and how we feel about it and how we want to have yeah. uh, products for to improve the quality of life for pets. You were showing me a picture before we came on air of the uh, the, 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 the other dogs of the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite, yeah, quite yeah. a pack. <laughs> well, it was well, more of a big challenge to get them all to line up together. So I don't know, the photographer managed that one second when dogs and humans were facing and, the and myself and Louise <laughs> looking the same way yeah. as well. Yeah, they so do say yeah. don't work with children or animals. Anyway. Uh, it absolutely. was a challenge yeah. on a wet day, but it worked. Well, I mean, are, are your investors kind of pet people too? Do you have to be a pet person to get this business? 
Well, many of our investors were from the Entrepreneur of the Year community and they all seemed, obviously they, they, they got where we were coming from with the idea. So I can't say for certain has every one of our investors got their own dog or cat. But, um, you know, one of our investors is uh, is Gordon Darcy, the former Rugby International. And Gordon has, uh, he has, uh, his dog Albert is about the size of a polar bear. So uh, Gordon <laughs> knows well about the um, the challenges and expense of uh, so of, of pet care. So he, he, he completely uh, got where we were coming from first time around once we uh, presented the business plan to him. Mm, and getting a, a dose big enough for his pooch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he may be okay with um, doubling or, or, or tripling the dose. So yeah, Garden could be a good customer as well. Okay. So listen, when, when, you're, when you've parked the, you know, the business concerns and you're just winding down, how, how do you wind down? Or, or, or to build a business such as yours, do you kind of have to be always on? Well, me, my, I myself, I, I, I actually, over the last year, I took the last year off. Oh. Um, so I, I finished in Urgen last August. And... Um, Personally, it was a great way to kind of recalibrate and reset myself as well. You what know. did you do? I lots of various things. I, I I'm I'm in 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 involved with a, a foundation in in Hollis Street Hospital. Uh, one of the I'm on the board of Frank Madden, that's my former EY finalist, onto his board in Crest Solutions. Spent a lot of time in Dunmore East as well, with with, with family there, and um, you know, for, it was. I think it was the perfect time in my life to do it. Forty nine now, you know, and moving on to the sort of the next decade of my life and career, and it was a really, really great way to kind of reset, re- reset myself, recalibrate, and look forward to what we're going to do in Trivium, and um, and you know, maybe a bit extreme for for a lot of people, but uh, it, it certainly worked for me. And uh, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm very much you know, you're not going to do that forever. I'm looking really looking forward to getting back on the horse again and uh, and uh, you know making a go at this company. Do you feel like never taking some time out to reset yourself? Well, I suppose I do. Um, it's probably taking more and more holiday times and sort of vent- adventures of two girls in there. Uh, one is just finished university and the other is still in university. So whenever they're still available to me, we do a good bit of traveling and we traveled in South America this year. So I try to spend as much time with them as possible as I did when they were small um, and uh, otherwise try and stay fit play tennis and have fun and just have other interests I guess because you, you do need, need to, to decompress yeah. Yeah. yeah you have some you need to have other interests I need to have other interests completely you know your social life is completely separate from business you know people don't even you know you go play tennis for example nobody even knows what you do you need that a break away when you're you know something completely different hmm. So you've, uh, you know, between you've got the four or five companies you got under your belt uh, b- between you, um, a lot of success stories. What do you tell people who try to, who would like to emulate your kind of success? Well, I think, you know, one lesson that I've learned and I think it's probably true for many companies is you can never have enough cash or you can never have enough money. And, you know, don't be afraid to raise as much money as possible. Um if 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 I look back in, in Airgen, we were probably undercapitalized for you know the first number of years, and um, you know I often wonder if we had to have raised more capital earlier, you know what the end result would have been. Um, you find, especially with startup companies, they're often afraid of the finance, and they're often afraid to pull those financial plans together. You know, in in in, in my own last company, Patsy and myself, we 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 went raising money on version forty seven of the business plan. Wow, you know that's a lot and, of work, and it was a lot of work. So we, we put a lot of preparation into, into, into identifying what we wanted to do, how we were going to execute, and the funding we needed for it. So, uh, 
I suppose I'd follow on from that in, in, in some way related, but I, I think one of the things I've learned is uh, to think bigger, you know, that we often don't think big enough, you know. I don't know if it's an island mentality or what, but, you know, to think, you know, we started the business and certainly Trivium is a global global business um, and we've, we've built businesses with, you know, we would have started calling it export, but essentially it's a, you know, a, a global business um, and to, to think like that from the start and that you can do it and from wherever you are in Ireland, you can, you can do that. And I think, um, again, if I knew them what I know now, I just probably would have been more ambitious with the first company, um, whether it was raising more money or just, you know, you know, being uh, more aggressive with, with what I was doing. So it's easy, possibly easy to say that, but that's what you asked in terms of, you know, what have you learned? And that's what I, what I have learned and, and I would give as advice to people starting. It's often easy to think, isn't there, isn't it, that, you know, when you have had an idea that well, somebody else has probably thought of this already and um, what's the point in me getting into it? We have then, said we have had this conversation so many times. Who come with ideas and say, "I really, you know, could you help me with this?" Now, I can't. If I told you the idea, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> and you go, "Okay, well, look, that's fine," because the kind of tenacity you need to get that idea mm-hmm. to market and stay at it and stay at it there. There are not that many people that will do that. Um, it's probably unlikely that somebody will but, steal your idea. But, uh, certainly, they might steal the idea, but to make it actually happen. But there's not like, there, there are not all these idea thieves out there. Number one and number, two, you know, when I look back when we started Q1 Scientific, we kept saying we kept saying that very same thing to ourselves. What are we missing here? Why is somebody else not doing this? What are we missing? It, you know, we must be. But we, it, it was clear that there was the opportunity there, and we went and. We went for it and, you know, the, the business is very successful now. And sometimes we've had that chat about Trivium as well to say, look, there's a real good opportunity here, you know, and so we ask ourselves, often, are, are mm. we missing something? And I don't think we are. Um, and just sometimes, the, you know, it's mm. as simple as the answer is right in front of you there and just get on and go for just it. Just do it, yeah. as I think another company says. Um, uh, do you think this will be your last kind of idea set in motion or are there lots more ideas <laughs> yet to come? Uh, there's no shortage of ideas. Well, I think there's never any shortage of ideas. I mean, this is challenging, you know, to do nearly, we'll really be very focused on this for the next, you know, certainly three to five years because this is, you know, developing pharmaceuticals is a long play. It's very exciting to get this um, yeah. uh, group of uh, products together and really to see the road where, where this will lead us. So, um uh, I've no other plans at the moment. We're no. very focused on this for now. Uh, yeah, and likewise, Healthcare is a space that you can create a lot of value if 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 you deliver the right products quickly. So um, you know we don't want to get distracted by too much else. So um, it's very much eyes in the prize with with Trivium. Very good, Tom Brennan, Louise Grubb, fascinating stuff. Thank you very much for coming and talking to us today. Thank, Thank you, you very much. And that's it for the Architects of Business this week. Thanks to our guests, Tom Brennan and Louise Grubb. And thanks to our producer, Patrick Hohey, and all of the team here at Joe. The programme is made in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year. You can go to their website, eoy.ie, to learn about the finalists for this year. And don't forget, you don't have to miss out on past or future shows by subscribing for free on iTunes, on your favourite Android podcast app, or you can watch us on YouTube. While you're there, check out some of Joe's other podcasts. Podcasts, including the Hard Yards on Rugby, the GAA Hour, and our movie show, The Big Review Ski. I'm Ty Genry. Thank you very much for being with us today, and we'll see you again next time. Bye bye. The Architects of Business on Joel, in partnership with EY Entrepreneur of the Year, telling the story of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs across the island of Ireland. <laughs>